welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yardena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Bavakama, daf Yotet, page 19. So I will acknowledge that the bulk of the first part of this daf is more on Tzururot, on the pebbles, and the attenuated causation, and Sumchus' opinion. And we made an executive decision that we're going to leave this discussion aside at this time. Um, I can't tell you that it will never come up again. I certainly can tell you that it is worth, you know, delving into much more deeply than we were able to do in the DAF, but also that because of the pace of the DAF, we're also ready to move on. So we're still talking about attenuated causation because that's really, at least I am, that's the discussion of this previous Mishnah. Yardana is going to take the new Mishnah at the, on Ahmed Bet. Before that, also on Ahmed Bet, we have a case, Yativ Rebbe Yehuda Nesia Rebushaya, Ikla de Rebbe Yehuda. So Rehuda Nesia and Rebbe Shaya sat in this plate in the in the forechamber in the uh, what's the word foyer of Rebbe of Rebbe Yehuda. I mean Rebbe Yehuda Nesia's foyer. Let's just clarify, right? We talk all the time about Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi Judah the Prince, who is called Rebbe, and he is the codifier of the Mishnah. Rebbe Yehuda Nesia, even though he still has like a such a similar name was a son of Rabbi Gamliel, who himself was a son of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi. So we're talking here about like the next two generations later in that same family. He's called Nasiyah, right, to separate him from Rabbi Yehuda Nasi because then it would just be too confusing, right? And we wouldn't want to be, like of, of all the people that we might confuse, this Rabbi Lazar, that Rabbi Lazar, sometimes the Gemara does delve into which identity we're talking about when you're talking about the person who's redacted the Mishnah and you're or codified the Mishnah, and you're talking about somebody who is somebody else, right? We don't want to confuse them ever. Um, but here, so he's one of the early, early, early Amorayim because his grandfather is the one who closed the Mishnah. And we'll see here, right, that he's, you know, sitting talking with Rav Shaya. We've had Rav Shaya already come up even in Babakama, right, because he has the, the bright about the additional list of Avot Nezikin that we saw, you know, earlier in the parak. So they're talking. They're sitting there talking. Nafik milta So what happened? They, they, you know, they're raising cases. They're talking and learning. And one of them says, what happens if mahu? you have an animal that was wagging its tail, that's swinging its tail, and in the act of swinging its tail, it causes damage. So you can think about this as, you know, a horse, you could think about this as a dog, you could think about this as lots and lots of animals have tails that they generally speaking have control over, but it's really easy to imagine that you know you could the animal could bump into something that would then let's say fall, right, and break, and so on. So now the question is who's liable? Amarle Idach. I'm sorry, um Mahu, right? Amarle Idach Vachiochazenu Biznava Vilech. So the first one says, what if he, the animal swings the tail? And the other one says, well, what's supposed to happen, right? Like, is the owner supposed to hold on to his tail and walk with the animal all the time to prevent the tail wagging from causing damage? Like, that seems a bit much when you're talking about um, making sure that you're not negligent, but to, but to have to hold on to the animal's tail as you walk along behind it all the time, you know, the sages are saying, no, that that can't be. Ihachi, Karen Naminema. So then the Gemara says, well, if that's the case, and we could think about this with regard to Karen, you know, the goring ox, you know, 
does the owner of that ox have to, or any ox, have to hold onto the horn and walk with it to make sure that that animal never causes damage with its horn? Right? And the, the answer to that is, you know, obviously, like, no, you don't have to do that. That would be an extreme, you know, turning the halakha into something almost ludicrous, right? Still, we know that with the case of Karen, the halakha is that the owner of that ox who gores unexpectedly is still liable, you know, at the very least for Chatzi Nezek. And we can get back into the cycle of discussion of whether Nezek Shalim, whether the complete damages would ever apply. So Gemara doesn't like this, like, conclusion or the really the analogy to Karen, Hachi Hashta, how can you say that these are com- comparable cases? Karen Lav Orche, Ha Orche, meaning you're talking about the wagging of a tail of an animal that wags its tail, or I don't know, I don't know what the word, you don't say wag for a horse's tail, right? But we're talking about animals that have tails that wave them or move them or whatever, and that's the way the animal functions, right? And it's not unusual. It's unusual for it to cause damage, but it's not unusual for the animal to do the act of wagging the tail or moving the tail, whatever it is, brushing flies off, whatever. As compared to the goring ox, where the goring, that same activity, is what is unusual. So then the guy says, well, if you're going to say that this is, you know, the regular expected behavior, then what's the question? Then we're talking about something, you know, that's the regular typical behavior of the animal. Then you have the same regular typical cautions in place to make sure the damage should not be done. The Gemara says, no, well, let's say we're talking about an animal that is, you know, excessively wagging its tail. You know, there's too much swinging going on. Is that also considered typical? So if Ena, you know, comes to address this in uh, with another dilemma. What would happen if the animal, a male animal in this case, right, would swing its, and here we're going to, it's very um, decorous, the Gemara, right? It's it's limb, but it means, right, the animal's penis. Who's going to say that it's going to be similar to goring? Karen Right, the, in the case of Karen, of Karen of Goring, right, we say that the animal was like overcome by its, by its, you know, instinct or something like that, you know, the anger that it felt or whatever, how you ever want to describe this for the animal, and therefore it like, it resulted in it moving forward to gore. So here too, maybe maybe that's what happened. That that's, you know, the animal's natural instinct took over, and it caused damage through its activity that is in fact natural. Odilma Karen Ha Or should we should we distinguish between these two cases and say that the the essence of Karen of the goring is that there's pleasure or benefit to the animal in doing damage. And in this case it's accidental, meaning there's no the animal doesn't have any interest or or intent to damage. I'm sorry, I said it wrong. Not about benefit. It's about about having intent to damage. The goring ox that comes after something, right, and is going to gore, it wants to cause harm. Whereas any other part of the animal, as it's, you know, swinging along, whether it's a penis or the tail, it's not intentional to damage. It just might be that, you know, there's uh, the body part connects with the item and therefore it breaks. So so what happens here is, you know, after you've established this as a question, the Gemara says, teku, teku meaning we're not going to solve this. We're going to leave it unresolved. 
the Gemara is not bothered by this. I kind of would like an answer, but okay. Well, like the it played it through both ways, right? To say, you know, to what extent is this tail wagging considered normal behavior? Is it considered, you know, what would happen if it was an excess behavior? And the fact that there's no intent to damage seems to be an imp- an important component of assessing, um, assessing who's liable, that kind of thing. Uh, it's not. But it's not quite enough to say, yes, yes, it's like goring. Um, so it's not. It's left as a take. I, you know, I think what we're seeing is, is that and even though we started with our first parak and the first Mishnah with these very divine uh, categories of Karen, Regel, and Shane, once you start talking about the variations, it really becomes confusing. You know, where do other actions of the animal or parts of the animal what do they fall under yes i think that's i think you know it, it seems very defined then we're going to come up with more or the gemara comes up with more and more and more variation and suddenly i feel like what happened to all of our definitions right exactly so uh i, I think that's exactly and i think that the um the tail is like just a great exa- example of it so, okay, I'm going to move on to a Mishnah uh, now. Um, and uh, uh, the Mishnah starts as follows. Um, and this is going to talk a little bit more about Shane, which is a category we really haven't talked a lot about yet. Right? How is a Shane, how is the tooth of the animal muat? Meaning, how do we say what's sort of normal for an animal? And we know that the Shane action is the action of eating. Is it muad to eat what's appropriate for it? So an animal, normal, you know, behavior, the muad behavior would be to eat fruits and vegetables. If an animal ate a garment or utensils, right, then the owner would only pay half damage because that's not something an animal would typically eat. And when does this all apply? So it's not just about what the animal eats, but also where the eating takes place. So it's when the animal is on the damaged party's, you know, property. But in a public area, the owner would not be chayav because the idea is, is that when you're in a public area, right? Uh, first of all, the Pasuk explicitly says in Shemot chapter 22, verse 4, it says specifically that it was eaten in somebody else's field. But the idea is, is that when you're in a public area, right, there's going to be sort of some damage that can sort of just take place by being in a public area. But if they benefited from the food, they should at least pay the owner, uh, you know, sorry, the owner should pay the person whose food it was, whatever they benefited from it. Uh, So in other words, let's say the animal eats food and that's like their lunch for the day or something like that. You should at least pay the value of that, but you wouldn't get more, you wouldn't get damage payment from that. Right, so the mission is going to explain this a little more. Right, so if he eats appropriate fruits in the middle of the street, she, you know, the they pay whatever the animal benefited. But from the size of the street, you pay what was damaged because the idea here is is that sort of in the middle of the street, that would be sort of normal, right? You leave something out in the middle of the street, but if it's on the side that is less likely to have happened. And that is not, and the Gemara will explain this a little bit more later on. Let's say there's 
food at the entrance of a store, you would pay whatever the animal benefited. But it's from inside the store. And again, because the idea would be you don't usually have an animal in a store. So it would be what they damage there. So in other words, there's a little bit of a difference here when it's Shane and it's normal eating, we're going to not pay what it is when, uh, you know, what, what, then if it's something that's actually like destructive, like it was actual damage behavior. So the Gemara is going to start with a brisa, right? The Shane is muad for things that it's appropriate for, or that it's normal for it to eat. And the animal was in the damaged party's yard. And the animal eats foods that are appropriate for it or drinks foods that are appropriate for it. Then the owner is going to pay full damages. And if a wild animal goes into the damaged party's yard, and tore apart an animal and ate the meat, then the person who owns this wild animal also has to pay full damages. And if a cow ate barley, or a donkey ate vetch, or a dog that lacked oil, or a pig that ate a slice of meat, in other words, these are all things that are typical to happen. And so the owner should really watch the animal to make sure this wouldn't happen. So the Gemara from here wants to say, Amara, Papa, Hasha, Demerit. Right now that you say in the Brysa, that if an animal eats any food that's not their regular food, but will eat it out of necessity, right? Is this called eating rather than being damaged, than it being destruction? So in other words, like if a cat eats dates, or a donkey eats fish, then Rapapa says, according to this, because the animal had to eat it, right? The owner would actually pay full damages because these are foods that these animals will eat out of necessity. It's not what they would prefer to eat or what they typically eat. And so then the Gemara has a case. So there was a donkey that ate bread and chewed the basket. So Rav Yehuda said that the donkey's owner actually had to pay full damages for the bread. But half damages for the basket because it's not normal for the donkey to actually uh, chew a basket. Now the Gemara is going to question this, but I think here the point is is that we're going to have to pay attention to as we continue our discussion of Shane, what is typical for an animal to eat, and therefore what should the owner really be careful to watch their an- their animal to make sure they don't eat of somebody else's property, versus something that like an animal may just chew or eat, uh, you, you know, or you know, find food where they wouldn't typically find food, right? Like being inside a store or something like that. Like, why would an animal be in a store? And the Gemara, we'll, we'll see this case get explained a little bit later. And then you're only going to have to pay half damages. Okay. Here's what I am thinking coming off of all of this, right? Is that, A, the owners of the animals needed to know very well, not just, you know, what a breed might be, what a, what a kind of animal or a breed of animal might be, you know, um, most inclined to be doing, most likely to be doing, but also what this particular animal was likely to be doing, to be able to establish that that's what those animals were doing. Now, I feel like that must have been relatively easy if you actually owned, you know, 
animals and you kept a farm and you knew, you know, the, the ins and outs of the different sheep or whatever, right? Like, you know, I, I feel like part of the reason this is still a challenge, you know, to imagine in my city living is because I'm living in the city, right? And, and, and most, let's say I grew up with a dog. So I knew that dog quite well. But I don't know that I could have predicted that what that dog did was necessarily relevant with regard to any other dog, right? I mean, some things, yes, eating or whatever. But I can, you know, there's certain things that were specific to her, to that particular dog that I grew up with, that I wouldn't necessarily assume that the next dog over was at risk of doing and vice versa. So I feel like there's an element here of, you know, know your animal and protect against them you know, both in the public sphere and out of the public sphere, making sure that they're not doing damaging, damages, I'm sorry, that they're not damaging, you have to know. You have to know what they're likely to be doing. And the Gemara doesn't ever say, go learn your animal. Right, exactly. But I think, again, in a more agricultural society, people knew these things. It's very interesting to, I'm sure the Gemara will get into a little bit more detail, but it's kind of interesting, like, the Mishnah just says the principle they give, you know, there's, you know, and doesn't really have to give a lot of specifics. Right. Exactly. That's, that's what led me to be thinking about this because, because I need the specifics. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I see exactly what you mean by that. Well, that's our top discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Revenue Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.